How much do you let self-doubt hold you back in life? How often do you dream about things, but you let fear stop you from making it happen? In this episode, we've invited sober motivational speakers, Jacob Brown and Martin Lockett, along with the always amazing Through the Glass regular Molly, to share their experiences of self-doubt and their thoughts on overcoming it. If you've ever let a lack of confidence stop you from chasing your dreams and could use some inspiration, this episode is for you. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Steve and Julie. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full, there's no space left for alcohol. We want to remind you to check out the show notes where we share more details about our guests and links to their websites and social media. And we also have transcripts available on our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com. So we are here tonight with Martin, Molly, and Jake. And as always, we'll have you guys do introductions. Martin, how are you tonight? Doing excellent. It's such an honor to be here and uh, really looking forward to the show tonight. And do you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am 43, almost 44 years old, and I am in Pennsylvania, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, originally from Portland, Oregon, and I am a substance abuse counselor. Awesome. Awesome. Really glad to have you here. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for coming. Molly. Hi, everyone. It is so great to see everyone. This is so exciting. I'm very glad to be here. Uh, My name is Molly. I'm 34. I'm a traveling imaging technologist. So kind of go all over the country doing CAT scans on people. I like to call myself a frontline pandemic survivor because I worked in hospitals the entire pandemic. And I also, my sober date is November 8th of 2020. So I got sober in the pandemic too. So those are things that I I like to be proud of about myself. (laughs) But yeah, I've I've loved being on here with you guys and I'm excited to talk some more. Yeah, Yeah, we're really glad to have you back. Molly has been on several episodes with us and is a dear friend of ours. So it's nice to see you again. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, we have Jake. Hi, everybody. My name is Jacob Brown. I'm very excited to be here. I am a transformational slash motivational speaker. I travel internationally and nationally and internationally abroad, speaking about a concept called fail forward, failing forward. I am also the chief transformation officer for a company called Purpose Point. We engage, inspire, and impact thousands of individuals and companies to seek their purpose and to lead with purpose as well. So I, uh, I lead the the sector of transformation with colleges and college students as they're leaving college and students, specifically athletes. I played college football. I also went on to the NFL and I I know that transition from the athletic sport realm into the corporate America realm or any type of business sector is a huge transition. So coaching and working with students as they're coming out of college to understand what that transition looks like and and to better serve them that way. 
I am 17 and a half months sober today. Exactly. Uh, five, awesome. five, 533 days. So by the grace of God, I'll be celebrating two years in August on August 25th. And I will be celebrating my 40th birthday on June 10th. So I am, uh, I'm very excited about everything this year. 2023 is looking very bright and uh, I'm very excited to be kicking it off with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. No, we're so, so glad to have you here. And I will include everybody's links and information and Instagram and all of that in our show notes so that all of our listeners can get in touch with you guys and and follow you as well. So for our topic tonight, my recovery mantra, so to speak, is create a life so full that there's no space left for alcohol. As we make our way along the path of recovery, we start seeing things that need to change. We start realizing there are things we want to do, and all of that is part of creating a life that we don't want to escape from. One of the biggest things that holds us back from doing that is self-doubt. So I want to talk about self-doubt tonight. When have you experienced it? How has it held you back? And what have you learned to help you overcome it? I'll go ahead and jump right in, I guess. Great. So let me let me apologize. I didn't say my clean date at the intro or at the outset. So I've been clean since January 1st of 2004. So I just hit um, my 19 year mark. Awesome. Uh, last Amazing. Month. Mm-hmm. So uh, like most people, uh, self-doubt and, and dealing with negative feelings and a negative self-concept is, is well, I'll speak for myself. That was at the root of my addiction to alcohol and just trying to numb those very difficult feelings that I didn't know how to cope with. And so I'll say specifically, so I also speak publicly and I, I just, you know, spoke at my first conference, um, a youth conference here in Pennsylvania in December. And I've spoken at a lot of DUI victim impact panels and high schools and things like that. And, you know, if you had asked me <laughs> 20 years ago, you know, what, you know, what's your dream? What would you do? You know, where you something that you feel extremely inferior about in this moment? And how would you overcome that? And what would that dream look like for you if you were to overcome that and to be living that? And it definitely would have been public speaking. I had zero confidence in myself that I would ever be able to to achieve that. And I'll tell you what, this is what I've learned along this journey is that the more I practice anything, right? And, and I think this, this, this came from my mother and her saying, Martin, I think whatever, whatever you apply your mind to, you can be successful, that whole cliche. But there was so much truth in that. And the biggest impediment was, was myself. And I think taking on the, the messages from society that tells us we're not good enough or this, you know, we can't achieve this or we can't do that. If you come from this socioeconomic class, then, you know, your ceiling is here. And pushing through all of that and just saying, you know what, I'm going to try. I'm just going to try. And if I don't, if I don't succeed, what's the worst that's going to happen, right? What's the worst they can do to me if I get up here in front of them and I fumble over my words and I'm terrible at public speaking? What's the worst that's going to happen? What's mm-hmm. the worst that's going to happen? How many times if you just live by that alone? Right. Right. Just, just that alone. <laughs> That's something my therapist told me back when I was really struggling with anxiety, actually. What is the absolute worst thing that can come of this thing you're worrying about? And almost always the very worst thing was something I could still very definitely live through. 
That's right. And that just that little tool has been huge for me. I definitely still have lots of self-doubt, but but that one little trick is a big one. Yeah, I, I wanted to just when we were talking about picturing about the worst thing that could happen to you know, for me, it, it would be going back to just like someone being rude or having like a, a comment, like putting me down or something along those lines. And what I, I tried to turn around in my head and I did very successfully is realizing that people who, who view like my weakness or my stumble or my mistake as a reason to like attack me, like those people need to really look inward and understand like why they feel the need to do something like that because healthy people build each other up. Healthy people do what we're doing here. And so when, when it became less about like being afraid of other people's reactions towards me and me understanding that people's behavior is a reflection of them, not Mm -hmm. of me. And that was a game changer for me because now anytime someone is rude to me or like there's something that's completely uncalled for in any situation, whether it's work, a friendship, a relationship, something like that, my my first reaction for the longest time when I was stuck in like the shame cycle of drinking was like, I did something to deserve this and I earned this shame, you know, but now I'm like, why are you coming at me like that? You know, like what, what is going on in your life that makes you want to jump down my throat or jump down and attack me, you know? So it's like a perspective shift. That was very important to me for sure. Oh my God. Can I piggyback off what Molly just said too? And also Martin, Martin, you talked about public speaking. And if you asked yourself 20 years ago, that'd be the last thing that you would same here. I would have never thought that I would be ever be a motivational speaker. I, I, I always thought it was cheesy, to be quite honest. My mom was one of those people that would always inspire me to manifest things and to, and to lay on my back before a football game and picture myself scoring a touchdown, imagine myself throwing a touchdown. And then when I got in the game, it happened. And I'm wondering how that happened. Well, I was manifesting myself doing it before it happened. I was picturing myself winning before it happened, right? But in terms of jumping into something that you're uncomfortable with, or you might feel like self-doubt, there's a quote that says, be brave enough to suck at something first. Like be brave enough to suck at something at first. And and the more I think about that is, is uh, Brene Brown and, and Molly, this is kind of the piggyback off of what you just said in terms of people that are outside talking about you, right? Brene Brown, if you guys haven't seen like Brene Brown, that's a mm-hmm. fantastic speaker. I mean, a fantastic coach. She, she speaks about shame and mm-hmm. guilt and vulnerability. And she tells a story about the man in the arena, the man inside the arena and everyone else is watching. Right. And those that are hecklers that are throwing stuff at her and they're saying, oh, you're fat. Oh, you suck. Oh, you can't speak well. Right. They're all in the crowd. They're not on the field because mm-hmm. the people that are actually in their arena on the field don't have time to be throwing and hailing Mm-hmm. down talk to you right mm-hmm. and you have to remember that when people are throwing those things at you and saying those stupid things that to you and and make trying to make you feel bad and bring you down they're already beneath you first of all right anyone trying to bring you down is already beneath you second of all and i don't mean that as as in you're above anyone i, I mm-hmm. mean that 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 they're they're lowering themselves to pull you down right mm-hmm. but but the the people that are doing that to you they're not in the game they're too afraid Right. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you're sucking, at least you're on the field and at least you're trying. 
And at least you're yeah. getting better. Because I guarantee 20 years ago, Martin, you're way better today because you were willing to suck first. Right. And I, I, I look at some of my talks two years ago and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what in the world was I doing? I, but I was willing to suck at something at first. Right. So that that imposter syndrome happens when it, right before. And I talk about this all the time. The imposter syndrome only comes and self-doubt only comes right before something amazing. It's about to happen. It only That's comes true. right before something amazing is about to happen. Because I remember in my drunken stupor when when I was on a bender or I was I was not living the life that I wanted to, imposter syndrome never came. It was when I stopped and started to do well and started to excel at things. That's when the imposter came and said, hey, you remember that bottle you used to grab? Mm-hmm. Hey, you remember that store you used to drive by? That's where you belong. Mm. Right. But that that imposter is lying. It's lying to you. And, and you guys all know that now. So um, well, I, I talk, just love this topic. Talk about imposter syndrome. So <laughs> Steve and I, like right before we got on here, he's going to laugh now. It's I true. Was, <laughs> it's true. Like we are a couple of podcasters, not professional podcasters. And we're going to have like a motivational speaker on our podcast. I was like, Steve, I've major imposter syndrome, right? Motivational (laughs) speakers. Speakers. Yeah. And yeah, it was, uh, yeah, there were, there was so much imposter syndrome, but you're, you're completely right. Cause look at this amazing experience that we're having. So absolutely sending the message to both of you. Hey, do you want to be on the podcast? Like, no, they're just going to say no. (laughs) They're just going to say no, but we're going to, you know, we're going to try anyway. We're just going to. And when Steve told me, because he invited me to be on this one and he's like, oh yeah, there's this guy named Martin and Jacob that are going to be on there. And he like sent me links to like, you know, both your Instagrams and stuff. And I was like, whoa like <laughs> i i'm like barely involved in social media like i have like 50 followers or something like i don't know like it's never been my jam to get out there and and do the kind of public you know motivational speaking like i have my group of friends here like steve and julie and like the ias people but but i was just like I feel like I'm out of my depth here. Like these people are professionals, you know, but then I'm like, no, cause we're all getting together and talking about something that we're passionate about and yeah, that we understand. So like we're, regardless of where we're at in life, we can have that commonality, which I think is one of the coolest things about sobriety in general. It's, it's very uniting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone's seat at the table is the same size. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I love it. I, I, I you know, in recovery, right, and I, I was I was making this point. I, I just had testified in, in front of the um, it's the Oregon Senate Judiciary Committee because they have a bill coming up to expand substance use treatment services in the Department of Corrections. And so I was responding to one of the committee members' questions as to right now services are only available for people who are under six months. So if you come in with ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. You have to wait, you know, until the last six months. And she said, well, if they if, if they're in prison and, and so the substance is no longer available, essentially, we know you can still get stuff in. But she said, well, what would be the need to offer these services up front? And so I <laughs> gladly took on that question. It was, it was, you know, kind of an open forum at that point. And I said, you know, simply removing the substance does not equate to recovery. That not is sobriety. All. And there was mm-hmm. a huge difference. And so I talked mm-hmm. about this whole 
you know, bio, psycho, social, spiritual model where all those aspects of our lives were compromised in our addiction. Therefore, it would make sense if we that we have to make a concerted effort mm -hmm. to provide that balance and, and kind of fill up our lives right across yeah. all four aspects of our lives. And so and you have to start that takes practice and time and repetition and, you know, making yeah. mistakes and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And so for me, I had ample time to obviously start to kind of fill in those aspects of my life and, 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 and create that structure, which I replicated now that I'm out. And, you know, but I, in doing that, I had to try a lot of new things. I had never, I had never even gone, you know, bowling. I jumped out of an airplane. I'm afraid of heights. I'm still definitely afraid of heights, but I jumped out 14,500 <laughs> feet, right? Yeah. And it was the most exhilarating experience ever. Um, I've gone hiking. I've been to the Bahamas. I've gone on a cruise. Like, I'm just allowing myself to experience life. And I'm throwing all caution to the wind. And I think because I was confined for almost 20 years and, and, and was unable to do these things, now that I have my freedom, like, I want to be free. And I want to mm. be free to try new things. I want to be free to fail. And I want to be free to make mistakes. I want to be free to learn. And so I would not... I would not wish prison for 17 and a half years on my worst enemy, but the freedom it has given me both figuratively, figuratively and literally has been invaluable. It has opened up a whole new world. And so I said all that to say that, you know, like, don't be a prisoner of, of your potential. Don't be a prisoner. Don't restrict yourself. And disallow yourself to step into life and to and to live it in its fullest joy and fulfillment. Yeah. And, you know, try new things. Trust me, some things you're not going to like, some things you will absolutely love, but you won't know unless you try. Yeah. It's the beauty of it all, right? Like, I started thinking about self-doubt and I'm like, self-doubt is a belief and it's, 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 it's all internal mm -hmm. self, self-doubt, right? And I'm like, well, you can't, really believe in what you know right you just can't because you know it but you so you, what does that mean that means you can only believe in what you don't know wow that's kind of where faith comes in you <laughs> exactly know? exactly and like, like right. faith has faith has a lot of different meanings because mm -hmm. like some people attribute it especially to a higher power um like a very specific higher power other people just have like this sense of, of hope, you know, like of, of maybe something is going to be better than what it is now. Um, I know in the beginning for me, going back to just self-doubt, there had to be something better because <laughs> I was I was at such a low mentally, like I was suicidal. I, I should have probably been in some sort of rehab because I the amount of like drunk driving I did was just absolutely horrendous. You know, it, it is a, it is a miracle. I didn't kill myself or someone else during that time. So there got to be a point where it's like, I have to have faith in something else because what exists right now cannot be it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was what I clung to. I'm like, just, I need to do things that are, I know 100% are good for me. And, and that turned into me just, um, you know, like just eating better and just feeding my soul and feeding my body correctly and, and trying to 
a line, you know, uh, well, I can't remember that specific phrase you used, Martin. It was like psychosocial, mental, spiritual. So it was a great combination of all of those things. And, and I, I, I like clung to that. I'm like, that is such a great word because it combines so many things. But um, yeah, just trying to align all of that and have faith that you can create that kind of person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that came up for me when I was thinking about this. So one of the things that made me really nervous was going public with my recovery, mm-hmm. talking about sobriety openly, starting a podcast. And this is coming from a place of deep shame where there was no way I was going to talk about addiction or recovery for a long time. And the idea of not just going a little bit public, but like podcast (laughs) worldwide, global public, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And honestly, there was no doubt in there that that was the right thing for me to do. And I realized one of the big things, and I talk about it all the time here, is authenticity. That was such a big part of the first whole year of my recovery was just figuring out who I am and what my values are and what I really believe in. And when it came time to decide if I was really ready to do this, there was no question. And I think if we really cling to what our values are and what what we really believe in, sometimes those decisions get a little bit easier to make. Maybe there's just a little bit less doubt when those decisions really align with who we are authentically. Most of my most of my community is on LinkedIn. So I've got about 52,000 followers on LinkedIn and I've been growing that community for the last seven to eight years. And it's a it's a group of people that believe in a lot of the same concepts that I believe in empathy as leaders, failing forward, pushing through adversity, helping others. My title right after my name on LinkedIn is not my title of my job. It's not any accolades I've ever done. It's simply human being. And I saw a CEO that had the title human being under his name like 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to steal that. That's because inspiring the, right there. Yeah, right? That, the, that, is, that is it. That exactly who I yes. am. Just mm-hmm. a person just like yeah, you. I'm a, I'm a human being. And Molly, yeah. you said it earlier. And, and Julie, you guys talked about it like the, the imposter syndrome before you jumped on here. But at the end of the day, we are all just human beings mm-hmm. that have the same common struggle. And, the, and we're on the same common journey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Period. It doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter what our race is. It doesn't matter what our religion is. It doesn't matter what our profession is. It is, we are on the same journey and we're all human beings and we have the same feelings and struggles. I've period. never seen a group of people like a bunch of sober people completely ig- ignore all of the differences and just look at similarities. And, yes. and and we look at similarities like like it's the gold that sits in someone's pocket and we'd like to share it and show it off. <laughs> right. It, it, it's so and, and the differences are like, what can I learn from you? Like it's that there's so much beauty in it. Mm-hmm. It is. It's one of the things I absolutely love about the sober community, because it doesn't matter if you're old, young, sober for 19 years, sober for one day. Mm-hmm. Right. You are welcome. Mm-hmm. Plain yeah. and simple. Absolutely. You know, something that, that Julie said really, really struck a chord because I, I wholeheartedly agree. And that, you know, if there's self-doubt about something, there is, you know, confusion maybe about which direction you want to go in life. And so you're not really sure. And that creates self-doubt. And I don't really know if I should. 
if you really get in tune with yourself and you mm-hmm. dig down deep at your core and you find out what your values are and you find out what you're passionate about, what do you believe in? What do you stand for? What are your principles? I think that will guide you in the direction that you're supposed to go. And once you start to align with that and the path is moving forward in that direction, then I think naturally that 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 confidence will will kind of, you know, just generate. Right. And so, you know, when Jake was saying that you have to envision thing, you hear this, you know, this mantra about, you know, believing it and conceiving it and you can achieve it. There is a lot of truth in that. I'm a mm-hmm. firm believer in the in, in, in the laws of attraction and what you project and what you kind of put out in the universe, if you will. That is what will be returned to you. And so I remember specifically, I would walk around the track in prison because I stayed exercising and I would literally envision myself in front of audience audiences telling my story, you know, moving crowds and things like that. And I literally would met like I meditated on that. It was almost a form of meditation. I, I entrenched my thoughts and my belief into that. And I'm in prison still with many, many years left. And so there was nothing tangibly for me to look at and say, well, yeah, that can be my life one day. Right. Mm-hmm. But I had to I had to really adopt it up here. And it felt right because it aligned with my purpose of helping people through my experiences and my education and my journey. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Julie just just really hit the nail on the head with that. And I think if anybody's struggling with self-doubt, spend some time with yourself and figure out what you stand for and what you what you what you want to give your energy to. How can you make a difference? And I think I'll, I'll just you know end it with this is that, you know, you know, we all have seen the hierarchy of needs by Abraham Maslow famous uh, psychologist. And at the top of it was self-actualization. And he said at the time, only about 2% of people actually reach self-actualization because they get bogged down with work and taking care of family and they kind of give up on their dreams. But then he went beyond that before he died. And this wasn't widely publicized, but he said that the only way to truly fully self-actualize is when that reaching your fullest potential involves other people. It cannot stop with you saying, I'm going to be the best basketball player or the best father or the best anything. It has to it has to include other people. And so I think whatever whatever your purpose is, I think the only way it's it's, it's really going to truly be fulfilling and truly be your purpose is if it involves other people. So Mm -hmm. I will start there. Connection. Yeah, that reminds me of there's a concept in Japan. I believe it's pronounced Ikigai. Um, I'm not sure if any of you have ever heard of it. It's it's a combination, like if you picture a Venn diagram, there's four circles. And in the middle of the Venn diagram, there's a place where all four circles interact. And the four circles represent what you love, what the world needs, what you are good at, and what you can be paid for. And in the middle of those four circles is the the concept of ikigai, which is kind of like what you're talking about, like that higher purpose, that self-actualization, where not only are you doing something that validates and is important to you, but it's giving back in some other way, but it's also supporting you practically and like your family practically. And it's also something that you are good at, (laughs) you know, that's Mm -hmm. something that maybe you don't have all the skills at in the beginning, but you, you start realizing, like, as you were saying, Martin, like it just becomes a natural progression of your skills and your, your personal growth. So I've always really liked that concept because, you know, I think if, if more people would, would strive for something like that creates that balance in their life, then sobriety would not 
be as rare of a thing it is because there's there's I think the fact that the majority of society needs to lean on a substance and finds an escape and needs to find an escape is evidence that there's just a, a, an overall imbalance in how we're handling ourselves and handling our, our lives and our stress. So that's, yeah, that's just what that reminded me of. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I just want to, I have to bounce back to what Martin said when you, when you were in prison and you were walking around and you were manifesting and prophesying what you wanted to do and what, and, and it's gotta be amazing to, be standing in front of people telling that story now. I mean, I can't even, I get goosebumps thinking about that because there was a time where you were at a place where you thought you'd never be able to do that, right? And I'm pretty sure all of us have had a moment like that where we felt like this is just where I belong and I don't know if there will ever be a different way, right? Mm-hmm. But there, if you've ever seen the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, hmm the Pursuit of Happiness is about a man called named Chris Gardner. Chris Gardner is a real person. That that movie was a, a true story. Okay, Chris Gardner is now a multimillionaire broker, owns a firm in Chicago. And everything you saw him go through in that movie, he went through, right? His quote, he says, speak what you seek until you see what you said. Speak what you seek until you see what you said. The reason why I love that quote so much is because when we speak things, we hear them. Mm -hmm. And what you speak, you hear yourself, right? You hear yourself speaking it. What you hear, you believe. Mm -hmm. What you, what you believe you make true. Yeah. Right. So if you want your life to change, if you want things to change in your life, you have to start speaking them. And just like you did, Martin, Martin, you did that. You spoke, this is what I'm going to do. I don't care how long it's going to take. And that's what you're doing right now. That's a testimony in itself. Speak what you seek until you see what you've said, because what you speak, you will hear what you hear. You will believe in what you believe. You will make reality. That will become your reality, whether good or bad. Hmm. That's the whole thing about like negative self-talk and, and all of that and switching that sucker from negative to positive and even catching yourself. Because I remember really early on in sobriety, the meanest person to me was me. And it was like just that self-correction, even, even just making, just changing the sentence. So it doesn't sound bad in my own head and then sharing it with someone because someone can reflect that back in a way, heck better way than the way I was (laughs) reflecting it to myself. But it sounds so simple. And I think Martin, that's where it gets back to when you talk about people, because when you get stuck in that negative thing, negative thought cycle, that self-doubt. It takes other people to say, hey, man, you are worth it. Do you remember what you said that time that you said you were going to go ahead and do this, right? When you got stuck in that spot where you just, nope, nope, I was nuts when I said that. No, I know. Yeah, I was nuts when I said, you know, the relationship that I wasn't in or that I was in wasn't working out. I was nuts when, you know... I said I was going to quit because the lie I was going to tell was too big, right? Like mm-hmm. all of it, even freaking, even being here. Yeah. I mean, for serious, all of that took people, a lot of amazing people. There's a lot to be said for vulnerability in all of this too, mm-hmm. because how often are we in a place of self-doubt and we're 
just trying to to muddle through that by ourselves. As soon as we turn around to someone and say, hey, I'm really doubting that I can go through whatever this is. Gosh, all the way back to just getting sober. As soon as you show up and you tell someone else, I'm really not sure that I'm going to be able to do this, you get the support you need. I mean, there's so much to be said for being built up by the people around you when you're really doubting yourself in anything that you're trying to do. I would say 1000%. You know, I tell people all the time that we don't do recovery in isolation. We do it in community, right? Mm -hmm. The worst place we can find ourselves when we're struggling is by ourselves. And, you know, you're absolutely right, Julie, that when we, when we take that risk, right. And of course there's a lot of fear in being vulnerable because maybe it's been met with you know, uh, ridicule before, or it's been met with condemnation or, you know, all these negative, these negative things. And so you're, you're scared to kind of jump out there, but if you're going to get the support that you need, you have to, you have to let people know that you need it. Mm-hmm. It, it just has to start there. And the only way to do that is be vulnerable. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's be hard. Yeah. Heck yeah. Oh, Joe. Extremely, extremely. I mean, especially if you're, experiences have have shown you and told you that that this is not safe to be vulnerable mm-hmm. right? right and people you know the negative childhood experiences cause us to put up walls we don't trust the world the world is not to be trusted there's a lot of you know danger out there and so you know you kind of become socialized to kind of retreat within yourself and to not let the world see who you really are but that is a that is a dark lonely cold place and I've not met a person to date who has um, gotten sober and stayed sober and, and, and done, you know, just had a sustained recovery program in isolation. Right. It yeah. just simply, simply doesn't work. And I want to say one more thing, because I think this, this is really, really important since we're talking about people and self-doubt and the messages that we hear from other people. And 1000%, I think, especially early on in life, when the self-doubt is created, um, in fact, it's one of the psychosocial uh, developmental phases that they say we go through, but that largely comes through the messages that we get from other people around us as we're shaping mm-hmm. our identity and our self-concept. And so that's important. However, I think it becomes more important at some point, the messages we tell ourselves yeah, yeah. as opposed to what mm-hmm. people tell us about ourselves, yeah, because that's what reinforces <laughs> what we think about ourselves for good or bad. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I I will literally tell people that I counsel who struggle with, with self-doubt or just a lot, you know, uh, self-esteem. I, you know, again, it's it's nothing, you know, groundbreaking, positive affirmations, start your Mm -hmm. day, wake Mm -hmm. up, look yourself in the mirror, not just think these things, literally look yourself in the mirror. I know it sounds silly, but trust me, it works (laughs) and verbalize, talk to yourself and affirm yourself in five positive ways, whether it be something that you're proud about, something yeah. you know you think you're you're good at, um, character traits, whatever it is, affirm those things, right? And eventually, because you hear yourself say it, eventually it takes root, and guess what? You actually start to believe it. Mm-hmm, it is right. an awesome thing. So, so, what do you say that, Julie? I'm going to lie to myself three times. Yes, I am so bad at affirmations. It's not even funny. I actually, so we are doing this self-love challenge on Instagram right now. And one of the things that I was supposed to do is positive affirmations. And I 
um, I, I know it's bad, but I just rail against positive affirmations. I just feel like I'm lying to myself. So what I did, and it was actually, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. I took something in my life that I'm struggling with and found a way to flip it into something positive. So right now I'm really very uncertain with like the direction that I want my life to go. So I wrote an affirmation specifically about that, something along the lines of my life is headed in exactly the direction that it is supposed to be headed. And so when I could take something I'm struggling with and then find something positive to say about it, that actually made affirmations something that I feel like I can do. I don't feel like I'm lying to myself anymore. So I made some progress. I think it's really cool how you did that because you took something that was personal to you and you personally wrote it back to yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So you took the negative self-talk and you said, okay, I'm going to take you. And then when I, uh, the the one that's bugging you, the one that's really irking you, and I'm going to change that one. And I'm going to work on that one. And to me right there, that's really, really inspiring because you took something so personal to you, so dear to you. You didn't pull it out of a card. You didn't pull out five random ones. You made it specifically about how you're going to grow. Right. And I think that right there is going to help remove the self-doubt that you continued to essentially manifest yourself. And you're going to manifest that in a really positive way. And I think it's just super cool the way you reframed that yourself, because I've heard you say that same thing so many times. (laughs) One of my favorite things to say is what happens when you challenge a past experience? You give yourself a chance at a new one, Mm. plain and simple. And there's so many times where you have those past experiences that we let define the next experience that we're going to have. And that instills the self-doubt until we let that go. And then we can move forward from that. Guys, you guys were absolutely amazing. So awesome to have you guys on. We talked about a lot of things and geez, if I could write all of that down, I would, but it's going to be all recorded. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try being willing to suck first. I love that one so much because if you don't try, nothing is ever going to happen. There's beautiful experiences on the other side of self-doubt. Jake, you that one, like everything just hair stuck up when you said that because it's so true. There's so many times I've gone through hard things and on the other side of those hard things and inside of that was a whole bunch of self-doubt until I got to the other side of it following and living our values and aligning ourselves with them. That is all of those core beliefs, the things that we find and we grow and start believing in once we actually put the bottle down and we start digging into ourselves. Martin, I'm not going to say this right. This, I'm, so I'm going to leave this to you, the psychosocial thing. Can you say that one more time? Sure. So it's the bio, psycho, social, spiritual model. That, what he said, uh, just, it makes a heck of a lot of sense. It's absolutely beautiful. Martin, thank you. Jake, thank you. Molly, thank you so much for being on tonight. You guys are absolutely amazing. Thank you for your space and thank you for your time, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much.
you two did an amazing job. So just just make sure you pat yourself on the back. You killed it. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has Thank been you. really great, you guys. Thanks also to our listeners for sharing time with us today. We hope you've been inspired by this conversation. If you know anyone else that might enjoy this episode, please consider passing it along to them. And be sure to listen next week as we tackle the complex topic of self-worth. See you next time on Through the Glass Recovery Podcast.